Good morning, EPEG. So good to see you. Hey, I, before I jump into the message this morning, I just want to honor pastor. I think it's a, being a pastor today is a, it's, a, it's a really amazing privilege, but it is not an easy thing to do. And so can we please, I know they're watching online, can we please get, make some noise for pastor this morning? <laughs> pastor Chris and Amber, we love you guys. Love it, love it, love it. Well, my name is Brent Silkey, and I have the joy of sharing the Word of God with us this morning. I'm really excited to be here. I wanted to introduce my family to you today. My wife, Elizabeth, and I have been married for 15 years. We, uh, we, we love, love, love serving the next generation. And actually, this morning, my family is serving the next generation at our home church. They're serving in these different ways. So they couldn't be here today, but I wanted to show you my family. And one thing to know about my background is that I was actually adopted from South Korea. I was born to... A young teenage mom who was not married, and she was living in some pretty, pretty tough circumstances. And she had to make an impossible decision as a teenager to say, what do I do? I can't afford even to take care of myself. How, what, what would I do with the baby? And so she actually put me up for adoption. And so for the first few months of my life, I lived in foster care in South Korea. And the cool thing about how God works is he always has a plan. And it's at work even when we can't see it. Amen. And there was a young lady, when she was 10 years old, was sitting at the top stair of her farmhouse in Rossold, South Dakota. And she was looking through a magazine. And, and she was looking through a magazine, and she got done, and she looked at the cover, and there were two South Korean baby boys on the front cover. And God dropped a dream in her heart that maybe one day she could have kids that looked like that. So fast forward the clock for her 30 years. She's 40. She's married. And she, uh, unfortunately, very sadly lost a baby in pregnancy and was told by the doctors, you're not going to be able to have biological children. And so she processed that with her husband, and she looked at her husband, and she said, what are your thoughts on adoption? And he's like, well, sure. So on September 5th, 1986, uh, I came off the plane. Uh, a social worker came and got me off the plane and brought me and put me in the arms. This is back in the day before you didn't have to, like, take off your belt, your shoes, and everything to go through the security, you know what I mean, when you're at the airport. They just walk to the gate, and here, here comes their little baby, and they put me in, into my mom and dad's arms for that, for that first time. And it, just, it was one of those like life-changing things, right? And I uh, became a silky that day. I went from being an orphan to becoming a silky. And I'm really thankful for my family and my heritage and all of those things. And growing up, one of the things that was always fascinating to me is always I loved when I could see a family and you could tell there was resemblance. You could see that they, oh, yeah, yeah, I could see that you guys are family. And so my whole life I was fascinated by this. And one day, three and a half years into our marriage, my wife, I wake up and she, she has this gift for me. And I, I'm like, oh, what is this? And I open the gift, and it was a little teeny tiny Dallas Cowboys jersey. And I was like, wait a second, this isn't going to fit. No, I didn't say that. I said, my goodness, we're having a kid. We're having a baby. She's like, we're having a baby. And I'm like crying, and she's not crying, but I'm the crier in our house. And I was crying. I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to be a dad. You're going to be a mom. And as I prayed for those next eight and a half months, I was like, God, would you teach me, and would you download your heart as my heavenly father so that I can love this little child coming into the world well, and I can share your love with this little one. And I'll never forget, after a 27-hour labor, my wife gave birth to this beautiful little girl. And the nurse put this tiny little girl in my arms. And you guys, if you've been there before, sometimes when uh, a baby is crying, but they hear the, a familiar voice from outside the room, once they're outside the room, they kind of like calm down. 
And she was crying. They put her in my arms, and I was like, hey, Bobo, it's Daddy. And she just, right, stops crying. And I begin, but then I begin to cry. <laughs> I'm like, it was like those eight and a half months of prayers over this, this beautiful little girl. I'm like, wow, Lord, help me to share your love with this little child. And then I realized something. The second thought I had was, wow, this is the first person in the entire world, in my entire life, that I've ever known that actually has a resemblance with me. It was a beautiful, like, holy moment for us. So this is our family. Uh, that's my oldest daughter. We have another picture of my, of my kids a couple years later. Uh, Belle is 11. She is on the worship team in our kids' ministry at church, and she's got a guitar for Christmas, so she's jamming for Jesus. I love that. Uh, Clara Jean is eight years old. She's our third grader. She's the sweetest little thing. Hank the Tank over there in the corner, his fingers up in the air like this, uh, he is a dinosaur-loving kid. Every morning, it's dinosaurs. There's someone roaring at all times in my home. <laughs> so that's my Henry. And then little Josiah is just a sweet little dude. And um, I don't know. I just, I'm just so thankful for my kids. So this is, that's us. We're the Silkies, and we love serving Jesus. We love serving and love telling people about the good news that he came for us. He gave it all for us, and then we can then live for him. And so that's what we're all about. We get to serve at the University of St. Thomas, a ministry called Chi Alpha, as Pastor explained. Uh, this is from our Christmas party this last year, this last, you know, last month. And uh, we also, and I'll tell you more about Chi Alpha in the message, but another ministry actually that God put on our heart really strongly was helping rescue people out of the nightmare of human trafficking. And so we serve a ministry called 30 for Freedom. And uh, we actually have, in 2024, 14 locations where we're going to be doing different running distances of 5K, 10K, half marathon, 30-mile ultra marathon to help raise awareness about the issue of human trafficking and also to help raise funds to make a difference. And God is so good. He's so faithful. We started that on my 30th birthday uh, with a crazy God dream. Do you have friends that have crazy God dreams? Do you have a crazy God dream? Maybe he's tapping you on the shoulder saying, hey, this is your year. But he gave us a dream that said, well, what if you ran 30 miles on your 30th birthday? Anyone excited about that dream? What if you invited 30 friends to run with you those 30 miles? And what if you could raise $30,000 to rescue people out of the nightmare of human trafficking? Because every 30 seconds, someone becomes a victim. So I called and texted everyone I could think of who might be crazy enough to join me for a 30-mile run on May 28, 2016, when I turned 30. And what God has done since is just, just give all the glory and praise to him. But we saw that day 123 people come and run. We had 75 that were young and old alike that ran a 5K for freedom. And then we had um, 48 crazy people ran 30 miles. And at the end of that day, we counted the funds, and it wasn't 30,000 that came in. God actually brought in $81,346 to be set people free. Praise God. He's faithful. And I'll just say since 2016, God has brought in just about $2 million to rescue people out of human trafficking. And the cool thing is that 30 for freedom... Every 100% of every donation, we give it right back to the cause of organizations like Venture, Free International, and Project Rescue that exist to end human trafficking in our lifetime. So God is good. He is faithful. 30 for Freedom is a different day, a different message for a different day. Uh, what I want to do this morning is I actually want to tell you about a people group. So as I describe this people group, I want you to try, to try to picture them in your mind. There's a people group in our world that is desperately, desperately in need of our help. And this people group, as they've been studied, the reports show us that only 4% of this people group 
have the word of God as their worldview. That means that 96% of this people group does not have this as the lens through which they see the world around them. 96%. And if you can imagine 96% of a people group not having the word of God as the lens through which they view the world, that's brought about incredible confusion. That's brought about confusion as it relates to truth, as it relates to faith, as it relates to identity, as it relates to justice. And it's like, well, what needs to happen? You're like, Brent, this, I need to do something about this. I feel that with you. We have to do something about this people group because they are desperately in need of this hope that we have in Jesus and this hope that we find in his word that's inspired by his spirit. And as we have an opportunity today, church, I want to take us to um, a scripture that will be familiar. But I, before I get to the scripture this morning, I want to help, under, help us understand this people group. Because if you're like me and you hear people group, you think, maybe you think overseas, maybe you think uh, across the ocean, somewhere in a developing nation. But what if I told you this people group actually wasn't overseas, across the world, in a different part of, of, of the globe? What if I told you that this people group actually was a lot closer than we think? And they actually look a lot like those of us in this room. Because the people group I'm speaking about is an entire generation of young people. Generation Z. Gen Z, approximately ages 11 to 26. The Barna Research Group tells us that only 4% of people 11 through 26 have the scripture as a worldview. You're like, what? Are you for real? Seriously, that's what the research is telling us. Which means, again, that 96% of Gen Z are young people. I think of our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, our college students, and our young adults in this world in America they do not have scripture guiding them, leading them, showing them how to live, being the, the lens through which they view the world. So you might think, well, well, something has to be done. I'm with you. And the cool thing is that the solution to this problem in our world is actually found in a scripture we're going to look at today. And is actually part of the solution to this problem in our world is actually right here in this room. Is actually right here watching online. If you're watching online this morning, good morning. We're glad you're with us. And the thing that I want to share with you this morning as we look at the scripture, as we look at the word of God, is that there are a different, couple different kinds of messages. When you come to church or when you tune in online that you hear from a platform like this, a lot of the messages we hear, they inform us about something and then they work to transform us to go and live it out, right? Like we, we learned something new. I saw Dr. Mayo here this morning. I see uh, Professor Tibbetts is, is, in the, is in the room as well. And I just think about like when we get to learn about things that we did not know before, whether it's context, whether it's how do, we, how do we interpret the scripture, how do we then live this out in our life, and how does it become actualized in our daily living. But the, the, message that I, the other kind of message that I want to share with you guys about is a message that actually acts as a reminder, a sacred reminder, a holy reminder of something like a lot of us, if you've grown up in church, this won't be a message you're like, wow, I never knew that before. But my prayer is that it's a sacred reminder as God taps each of us on the shoulder to say, hey, you're a part of the solution to this problem. You are a part of what's going to happen here. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to open your Bibles or if you want to you know, swipe and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, we're going to read a couple of verses here familiar to a lot of us. Jesus says, therefore, go make disciples. Now I want to pause. Jesus is telling his disciples to go and make disciples. Well, what do you mean? What's a disciple? These, these men 
were hand-selected by him intentionally after prayer. He went and hand-selected these people to follow him. And these weren't like the most religious elite people. These were people like fishermen. These are people like a religious zealot or a, a political zealot. These are people that had different backgrounds, a tax collector of all people. And he hand selects these guys and he says, hey, come and follow me. Watch how I live my life. Watch how I interact with the father. And for three and a half years, they watch as Jesus, not only does he preach about the kingdom of heaven, but he demonstrates the power of the kingdom of heaven. He's the one that's going and spitting in the dirt and he's making mud and he's putting it on the blind man's eyes and the, the blind man can see. They're the, he's the one that's literally going over to the, to the stretcher where they have the, the dead man in Nain, and he's literally laying hands on the dead man and raising him from the dead. He's the one that would actually touch a leper and cleanse the leper. And these disciples are watching and learning for three and a half years. They're watching Jesus do these amazing things, proclaim the kingdom of God, and then have a relationship with the Father. They're watching these things happen. So when Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples, the disciples knew exactly what he meant. Hey, bring people along with you on your journey. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. It's a tall order, right? Everything? Jesus, everything? <laughs> everything I've commanded you, for surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Church, he was tapping them on the shoulder. He was saying, guys, there's an urgent need. There's an urgent need for the world to know about me. There's an urgent need for the gospel to go forward. There's an urgent need for people who are dead in their sins to be made alive in Christ. Go, please go, go and make disciples. Go tell them about me. Go teach them everything. Bring them along in life with you. And don't worry, because I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. The great commission, right? And the great commission was said with urgency. And I just think about this. Sometimes in my life, I have to be reminded about what a pastor once said. He said, Brent, it's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. And I was like, ooh, pastor, mm, right? I need to hear that sometimes. And I want, you, I, I want you to think about what this looks like. And I love that there's young people in the room as well, because I want to share a story about some young people. There were two young people, eighth grade boys to be specific, you can instantly picture and hear maybe and smell like the eighth grade, like eighth grade boys, right? They're in the room and all, <laughs> you're like, Brent, here's the deal. These eighth grade boys were sitting in youth group and they heard a message about go, go and make disciples, go and make disciples in your school, in your classes, on your teams, go and make disciples, tell people about Jesus, live the good news out in your life and share it with them, invite them to church. And as they heard this story, one, or this challenge, one of those eighth grade boys was actually the squirreliest, wildest kid in the youth group. Bouncing off the walls at all times. Does this human sleep? Like one of those people. And these two eighth grade boys were tapped on the shoulder by the Lord and by their youth pastor who said, hey, would you guys go? Would you go back to your middle school and tell people who don't know Jesus? Would you, would you intentionally pray? And so they each wrote down a name of a friend. And it happened to be the same friend. And they said, hey, we'll pray. Pastor, Pastor Chris, we'll pray. Their youth pastor actually was named Pastor Chris as well. So as they prayed, they intentionally lived their life out differently than other people at school. They lived a life that was set apart. They lived a life that was holy. They lived a life that was different, not in a way that I'm better than you, but in a way that I know something that I would love for you to know. And as these eighth grade boys lived differently, what they would do was they would pray every single day for their friend. They would live differently. And then they looked for opportunities to invite their friend to come to church, 
to come to Minnesota Youth Convention, to come to Lake Geneva Christian Center for summer camp, to come to an outreach where an evangelist was speaking. And their friend was the consistent, stubborn, no. No thanks. Hey, I've got my own church, and I don't even like my own church. That's what this friend would say. So every day they would pray and pray and pray. Eighth grade, done. Ninth grade, same thing. They would pray. They would live differently. They would invite. They were trying to live out this go and make disciples thing in their school for this one friend. Could their friend just come to know Jesus? Ninth grade, same exact thing. Said no to every single invitation. Tenth grade, same thing. Eleventh grade, same thing. You're like, Brent, this is not a very good story. Twelfth grade, same thing. And you can hear the tune of the final countdown that came on in their, in their minds. Like, this is it, man. This is it. We're all going our own way after this. So hopefully our friend can come. And their friend consistently said, no thanks. So to their surprise, freshman year of college, when they extended another invitation after all of these years of prayer, after all of these years of living differently, after all of these years of trying to go and make disciples, their friends shocked them when their friend said, yeah, I'll go with you tonight. I think I need to go. Uh, great. Yeah, we'll pick you up, you know. And so these, these guys who were once eighth graders are now freshmen in college walking into church. And if you can picture this scene, this, this friend who grew up in church but just didn't like God, didn't, didn't, have this, this, didn't have this relationship with Jesus, didn't know the good news, walks into this youth group where there's hundreds of students raising their hands on that Wednesday night, praising God. And the friend walks in and he's like, whoa, something different here. Sits in the back row, right where he was comfortable. Hears a message from the word of God that was like, it was like the pastor was speaking right to him. It was like a relevant message for his life right now as an 18-year-old kid, lost kid in college. Here's a message from the word. He's like, huh, I don't remember messages like that. And then at the end of the message, every single week, this youth group would preach the gospel and give people an opportunity to put their, their hope and their faith and their life and their trust in the hands of Jesus and ask God to forgive their sins and make them new, a new creation in Christ. <laughs> and that young man sitting in the back row of the church bowed his head, asked God to forgive his sins, asked Jesus to become his Lord and his Savior, and that was the very best day of my life. And I, thank you. Jesus is so faithful. Because here I am sitting in the back row. If you can imagine this, blonde hair. I had blonde hair, church. That ain't natural. I told you I was from South Korea. There's not a lot of us that have blonde hair. Blonde hair, sitting in the back row, bowed head. I'm like, oh, Lord, I had these big puka shell necklaces. If you know what a puka shell necklace is, you can kind of get the time frame in your mind. Puka shell necklace, blonde hair. I was so fired up about God. Here's what I did. I'm like, everybody needs to know this. This is, the good, this is truly good news for my soul, for my broken soul. This is good news. <laughs> so I went to the church info wall. We had this wall that had all these different business cards. And I looked for I looked for I found the blank business cards that had the name of the church, Cedar Valley Church, the church phone number. I grabbed a stack of the business cards. I wasn't stealing, I promise. I grabbed a stack of the business cards and I wrote my name and phone number on the back. And I kept them on my wallet. So everywhere I went, I was like, hey, what do you, what do you got going on today? Oh, oh, you should... You should, would love if you love if you came with us. And I'd hand out my, my business card. This is the church business card. I'd love for you to come with us. I'd be at the Mall of America. I was in, a, I think it was at the time, maybe Nickelodeon Universe Camp Snoopy, whatever it used to be called. And I was there, and I, was, I talked to this girl. I'm like, hey, you should come with us. 
It's going to be amazing. I handed her my business card. I said, hey, we'd love to have you come meet us at church. I was coaching at Burnsville High School, where I graduated from. I'm this blonde-haired freshman coach in college. I'm talking to my athletes. I'm like, hey, guys, what are you doing tonight? They're like, oh, we're just doing homework. I'm like, to be honest, it sounds really boring. You should come with us to youth group. You can ride in my car. I had an electric green Mustang, 35th anniversary. It was so fun. I worked at Best Buy, so I threw a sound system in the back. It was just really loud. Lights everywhere. I mean, it was crazy, okay? Picture that. Blonde hair, electric green car, lights loud everywhere. And I'm like, get in the car. And I'd pile kids into the car and bring them to church. Go, make disciples. Go. Jesus says, go. We got to go. So I start doing this, and my youth pastor was like, uh, Silky? Always call, even to this day, still calls me Silky. Silky, would you become a youth leader? He's like, hey, can I, actually, first of all, he said, hey, can I take you out to lunch? I was so nervous, I, like, lost my breath. I couldn't even, like, I want, he wants to go out to lunch? I was like, oh, man, what did I do? Oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So we go, out, we go out to lunch, and of all places, we went to Lian Chin. <laughs> just saying. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. We went to Lian Chin. I'm having my orange chicken bowl. I'm like, did I inspire, like, the desire for Asian food? Anyway, so we're sitting there at Lian Chin, and he says, hey, Brent, I'm wondering, I'm actually wondering if you would consider being a youth leader. I wasn't qualified to be a youth leader. I didn't know a thing. I just wanted people to know Jesus. And, but I felt for the first time in my life, I felt like the Spirit of God spoke to my heart. And it was like this tap on the shoulder. Say yes. So I became a youth leader. I really felt called into ministry, full-time pastoral ministry the next year on a mission trip to Costa Rica, Pura Vida. Went, I went to North Central University. I finished out my college, my college education there. And when I graduated from North Central, my wife was in her graduate program at the University of St. Thomas for counseling. And we couldn't just go anywhere in the country and take a youth pastor position. So my senior pastor calls me into his office. I am nervous wreck. <laughs> He's like, hey, Brent, we, uh, we'd like to give you a shot. I'm like, um, a shot? He's like, no, Brent, we'd like to hire you. We'd love for you to come and work here as one of the youth pastors. And I'm like, are you serious? It's the craziest thing. It was like another tap on the shoulder. So for the next several years, we serve as youth pastors, eventually the high school pastors at Cedar Valley Church down the street. And we're loving this. We're like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. Therefore, go. This guy walks into my office. A lot of you know this man. He's a Minnesota ministry legend. His name is Mike Amiot. He walks in my office. He's the greatest. He's the goat. He's the goat. He walks in my office, sits down across the desk, and he says, Brent, I want to tell you about Chi Alpha. And I was like, Mike, I want to hear about it. So he tells me about Chi Alpha. He's like, man, Chi Alpha's happening at all these you know, 280 campuses around the nation. This is why we exist. So college students can find Jesus and follow him for a lifetime. I'm like, that sounds awesome. That's a great commission. Come on, let's go. And he said, you know, 60% of students who grew up in the church walk away from their faith in the first two years after they move, up, move to college. I was like, hmm, don't like that. He goes, we don't either. We work hard that they can get connected. Because if they get plugged into a ministry like Chi Alpha, in the first 15 days of movement from moving day, and those first 15 days are critical. He goes, it changes everything. It changes everything. I'm like, Mike, well, how can I help you? This is great. Like, you got me fired up about Chi Alpha. What can I do? He's like, well, we've been praying for nine years that we could have somebody go to the University of St. Thomas and start Chi Alpha. I was like, wow, oh, that's great. How can I help? I was like, I've got all these. We've got great interns. We've got great leadership network here and pipeline. He's like, we're actually wondering if you would consider. I was like, hmm. Mike, 
just to give you guys, just to be, I, I said this first service. At that stage in my family, my wife and I came out of North Central with a lot of student loan debt, and we wanted to not have that. We didn't want to be a slave to that our whole life. So we spent the first seven years diligently paying as much down as we possibly could. Every extra thing we tried to put towards our student loans. We finally got to a place where we had a three-year-old Belle. We had a one-month-old Clara Jean. And now we just purchased our first townhome. And we're like, oh, our first home. And then I'm hearing about this Chi Alpha thing at St. Thomas. I'm like, well, surely that comes with like a great salary package and benefits. He goes, ah, you actually have to become a missionary. And I was like, this isn't even responsible financially as a, as a husband, as a dad. Like, this is not a good thing. But I told Mike, I told Mike, I said, hey, I don't know if it's a Christian thing or if it's just like a reflex as a pastor. I said, hey, I'll pray about it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that, church? Come on. Is it just me? There's a few of us in here. So this is what happened. This is the truth. This is what happened. That was a Wednesday. That night, but the fellow, my fellow youth pastor, Micah Mack, was preaching. And I've never heard him say this before, and I've never heard him say this since. But he said this to our entire youth group at Cedar Valley Church. He said, do not leave this room until you've heard from heaven tonight. So I got on my face before the Lord. And I was seeking him, and I'm like, God, what, what, what are you trying to do here in this moment? And I've never, ever had a vision like this before. But I had a vision with a Bible like this open in my hand and students around me, and we were on the campus at St. Thomas. And I was like, oh, sweet mercy, what does this mean? <laughs> I think I know what this means, but I'm not sure if I know if I like what I know what this means. And God was tapping us on the shoulder. He's saying, go, go, make disciples. Oh, there's college students that need to hear about this good news. It was the scariest thing we've ever done as a family. By far, not even close, like the scariest thing. So we stepped out of our role as senior high pastors and we became missionaries. It's like, all right, Mike, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting the Lord too. <laughs> and I just want to, want to say this. In the last eight and a half years, I have seen God do so many things that I'm just like, I stand back and I'm like, God, this is, this is you. There, there is no, this is you. You're, you're, you're in doing such a beautiful thing in the next generation so they can truly know Jesus. And I want to give you just a two-minute and six-second glimpse into what God's doing on campus. And check out this video. The first time that I was at Chi Alpha, I just felt this presence, this warm presence of family and just this community that was unmatched. Alpha is a campus ministry located here at the University of St. Thomas, and we exist to give students the opportunity to learn about Jesus and learn how to follow him for a lifetime. Being a part of Chi Alpha means just having a place to come home to each week. We meet every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. in Iverson Center for Faith for a worship night every week. It's an opportunity for students to come worship, hear the word, be in community, find where they belong, and really find who Jesus is. And then along the way, joining a small group, coming to an event, coming to an outreach where they can learn what it means to follow Jesus for a lifetime. I really struggled freshman year to find my home on campus and the second I stepped into Chi Alpha, it just truly made me feel like I belonged somewhere. For me, Chi Alpha is home. It's where I can connect with my peers and I just don't need to change who I am. I can always show up as my attentive self. Chi Alpha has become like a second family on campus. Everyone is so invested in how I'm doing every week and everyone's just so supportive here. You feel more freedom in your life when you're around these people at Chi Alpha.
you're looking for a place to belong, come to St. Thomas Chi Alpha. Even if you're a little skeptical, just go. Because the second I stepped into the room, it was a feeling like I've never felt before. My favorite part of moving day is moving someone into their new place and looking them in the eye and saying, welcome home. And then if people should choose to come here on a Wednesday, welcome to the family of Chi Alpha. You're always welcome here. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Oh, welcome home. This is the place you belong. God's so good. Come on. Come on, church. So back to that people group that I talked about, Gen Z. If only 4% have a biblical worldview, and if you're a Gen Zer in the room and you have a biblical worldview, we need you. The Great Commission, come on, the Lord's tapping each of us on the shoulder. Your generation needs you. But I want to share this. One of the things that we said, if, if students don't have this as their worldview, do they even, do they have this? Is there like, can, I, can we give students the word of God so that they at least have it in their hands, so that maybe it could get in their hearts and maybe it could become part of their lives? So what we decided to do is we buy cases and cases of Bibles. I'm the weird guy, the Amazon guy's like, man, this is a heavy box. I'm like, sorry, buddy, <laughs> bringing these heavy Bibles. We actually had a pallet, a semi-truck pull up to our house this fall, true story, and a pallet of Bibles was delivered. And I was so giddy. I was like recording. I'm like, oh, and the delivery person was like, are you good? <laughs> recording my delivery. I'm like, it's Bibles. It's life. And so we actually, this fall semester alone, we have actually given students, 70 students, Bibles. We said, hey, we want you to equip you with the word of God. We want to put this in your hands so that it can be something that you actually have. And we've had students, this is, so, this is crazy to me, as a person who grew up in the Twin Cities, we've had students who have, we had a girl one time that went like this with her Bible, and she said, I've never held one of these before. She's from Minnesota. I was shocked. Only 4%. She's like, I've never had one of these before. Thank you. And I'm like, we, we want to equip every student who walks through the threshold of Chi Alpha on a Wednesday night for one of our worship services. Here's the word of God. May it become part of your life. And one of the things that we do as, a, as it relates to helping students not only have the word, but get into the word is we have discipleship groups that meet on Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening before Chi Alpha, Thursday evening so that they can grow in community in their understanding of how to live out the word of God in obedience, submitting themselves to it. So they have, begin to have this worldview of the word. And every Wednesday, we present the gospel, just like at the church that I went to. I'm like, we need, we need to give students an opportunity every single week to ask Jesus to forgive their sins so, we can go, you know, so they can go all in with, with Jesus and they can have this understanding of like, this is my purpose on this earth, is to worship him, is to make him known. And this fall alone, we've, prayed, we've had the joy and the honor of praying with 40 students who decided, hey, I want to follow Jesus, or hey, I want to recommit my life to Jesus this last fall. And EPEG, I just want you to know, because of your generosity, we're able to go. We're able to go as missionaries. Our team is able to go and to serve. We're able to do important events like fall retreat and different things like this. And I want to I have this become a personal message for each of us this morning. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about your, the places that you go. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's your school if you're a student. Maybe it's a coffee shop or a restaurant or a salon. or a, I know there's a Costco in Eden Prairie. Hallelujah. You can buy in bulk and you can tell people about Jesus when you're standing in those long lines, you know? Yeah, there's an opportunity everywhere we go to go as he taps us on the shoulder. Therefore, go make disciples. Maybe you go to the gym. 
And you see the same people because you go at the same time every week, every day. There's an opportunity for you to go and make disciples. I actually wear certain clothes to the gym. Uh, my friend started a company called Everyone Everywhere. And it's so that the gospel message can go out to everyone everywhere, including the 42% of the world that's unreached, that's never heard the name of Jesus. And so it's a black sweatshirt, and it says, Everyone Everywhere, in all bold white font. So when I wear that to the gym, if you saw someone wearing something like that to the gym, wouldn't just like ask for a conversation? Hey, what does your sweatshirt mean? You have an opportunity to like talk like, hey, I believe God loves everyone everywhere. And then we can go back to this the scripture, right? But in your life, in your world, this next week, when you're going to the places that you go, who is someone that you could be praying for intentionally to know the love of Jesus this year? Who's somebody that you work with that you're like, man, if, oh man, if, this, if, my boss, <laughs> if my boss could know the love of Jesus, it would change everything. If, my, if, that, if one crazy guy at school with blonde hair could know Jesus, right, it would change everything. If that one guy on my team, the party guy on my hockey team could know Jesus, it would change everything. God's tapping us on the shoulder, church. He's saying, go, it's urgent. The need is urgent, and it is for the next generation, but it's also just for everyone. Like, everyone needs to know this good news that we have. And it's not that great. It's, again, it's not the great suggestion. Go, therefore go, make disciples. Intentionally pray. Who is someone you can pray for every day? We have a person in our neighborhood, and every time we back out of the driveway, <laughs> you're going to be like, uh, anyway, I'll just share what we do. The first car ride of the day, we, we pray as a family. So whoever's in the van or the vehicle, I'm backing out. And so I start the prayer, and I pray. And then my oldest daughter prays, and then, my, and then Clara prays, and then Henry prays. And sometimes even Josiah says stuff, which is beautiful. He's two. But we start our day out with prayer, and every single day we do that, one of my daughters is praying for a neighbor to know Jesus by name. Who is someone you can intentionally pray for this year? Think about them. Put them in your phone. Make a note. Write it down. How can you live intentionally in your life that your life has been changed by Jesus, that your life is continually being challenged and changed by the word of God and by the spirit of God in you? Pray intentionally. Live intentionally. And then where are those invitations? You know one of the most beautiful things? And I'll just say this specifically as it relates to college students. Can you invite them over for a meal? For real. That can be the most life-changing thing you do Hey, would you like a home-cooked meal instead of the food in the cafeteria? Yes, please, right, sometimes? So they can come into your home, and you can, you can build a relationship. Like, if, if our call is to go and make disciples, we got to do it. It's urgent. And I just want to share one final thing with you guys this morning before we pray. And it's the most important event that we do of the entire year. It's called Fall Retreat. The reason it's so important is, like I said, 60% of the students who go to our, who come through our churches, walk away from their faith within the first two, two years of going to college unless they get connected to a local church or a campus ministry like Chi Alpha. That changes everything. So we work so hard and front load those first 15 days. I'm on campus sometimes twice a day to just, just to like meet people, talk to people, interact with people, invite them into a place where they can come to a Chi Alpha service, where they can get plugged into a small group, where they can come to know Jesus in a personal way. And one of the best things we have is called Fall Retreat. All fall, we're pointing people to Jesus. All fall, we're pointing people to come to fall retreat. And here's the thing. Hey, it's uh, $75 to come. I don't have $75. Hey, here's the cool thing. We believe in you, and we believe in this re retreat and what God will do at this retreat so much. We actually scholarship every single student who comes for the very first time. 
freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. We, we pay their way so they can come and they can hear about Jesus and they can get in community and their life can be changed and we, they can go and make disciples. So we're at this fall retreat and here's the deal. On Friday night, we had every student get on their knees and cry out to God on behalf of someone they knew on campus that did not know Jesus in a personal way. And I'll just say this. <laughs> if you are in a room full of college students on their knees praying for the lost, I believe that those things move the heart of God. And they're praying, and they're like, God, would you help me to have eyes like you to see? Would you help me to have words to speak? Would you help me to have these interactions? Would you help me to just be aware of these things? And students were, I mean, it was, it was so powerful. The, the pastor of the church where we were meeting walks in the room, and he's like, whoa. This is awesome. Therefore, go. So the Monday after fall retreat, there's a picture of the fountain. This is the second most famous location on campus. Um, the fountain is uh, located on the Anderson, right by outside the Anderson Student Center, outside the Monaghan Plaza there. It's this beautiful area. And if you want to become a Tommy, tradition says that you run through the, sprinkler, you run through the fountain. Fully clothed in whatever you're wearing. Hey, you want to become a Tommy? You run through it and you're a Tommy. <laughs> and we had a student sitting there after fall retreat. And she was listening to some music. There's a song called Good News. And she was listening to the song about good news. And she was remembering fall retreat when she was on her knees praying for the lost. And she sees a girl that she doesn't know sitting across the fountain. And the Lord leads her over. And she's like, excuse me, do you have a... Do you have any religious background at all? Just like the most straightforward question, right? And the student said, no, I, I actually, I, I don't have any faith background. I've, I don't have any religion. I don't, my family doesn't believe in that. Um, I'm actually just like searching, listening to the universe. And our Chi Alpha student, Olive, takes out one of her AirPods. This is, this is beyond my comfort level, ears. Um, but she hands over one of her AirPods, and she says, hey, I would love for you to listen to this song with me. And it was good news. It was about the gospel. It was about Jesus. And as they begin to share about life, this student just begins to cry. And she's like, I, I, I'm, I'm searching the universe. I'm just trying to hear. I'm trying to figure it out. And Olive looks at her with the love of Jesus in her eyes. And she says, what are you doing Wednesday night? Right? Therefore, go. She's like, uh, nothing. She's like, well, would you come, would you come to Chi Alpha? So Wednesday night, I don't know any of this backstory. Wednesday night, this girl walks in, super cool uh, MJ. She's got some Jordans on. And I was like, hey, I love your shoes. She's like, oh, thanks. We start talking. I'm like, hey, I haven't seen you here before. Like, uh, how, did you, how did you come? How did you hear about Kai Alpha? She's like, I was sitting at the fountain. And I'm um, just really at a hard time in my life. And I'm just really trying to search the universe to try to understand what's going on. And that night, she like, had me rethinking how I was going to say everything. For someone who has no faith background, surely doesn't have a Bible. And when we presented the gospel that night, the good news of Jesus, therefore go. She raised her hand. She surrendered her life to Jesus. And we got to give her, on her very first night of Chi Alpha, the gospel message and the word of God. Therefore go. She's a part of our Chi Alpha family. And church, my hope and prayer is that this message today would be that sacred reminder of the tapping of the Holy Spirit on each of us to go. 
wherever we're called to go, wherever God leads us, in our businesses, in our schools, in our teams. If you're in a band, like it, the people that are, you're in band with, the people that are sitting in front of you, the people that were around, like could we go and make disciples? Could we be that kind of Christ follower that says, God, I'm going to take the Great Commission seriously and I'm going to urgently live this out so people in my life can know your love? That's what we're called to. And so my prayer is that it's a sacred reminder for each of us, myself included, that this would be a year where we intentionally pray, we intentionally live out what it means to follow Jesus, and we invite people to come along. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come before you as the body of Christ, as your church, oh, Lord, I pray that you would put specific people on our hearts, specific people on our minds, whether it's a, a son or a daughter or a grandchild who maybe has walked away from you, Lord, or a coworker or a friend or a family member, oh God. Maybe it's an old friend that we haven't thought of in years and this is the morning they come to mind. Maybe it's a person, Lord, that we see at a coffee shop or at a salon or at a Costco or at a Kowalski's. God, it's a person that we see on the regular that we can just share the love of Jesus with this year. Would you give us those opportunities, Lord? Would you help us to be bold in our love and our faith? Would you help us, Lord, to be people that would go urgently and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that, that you've commanded, everything that you've taught. We thank you that, Jesus, you are surely, you are with us to the very end of the age. The same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, that raised you from the dead, Lord, lives in us. And we pray that you would empower us by the spirit of the living God to go and to make disciples, to be disciple makers, Lord. And we pray the gospel would break out. We pray that there would be a move of the Holy Spirit that would take place, God, in this entire area, Lord, of the country. That we would see the statistics change. That Gen Z would not be a 4% biblically literate, but God, they'd be so hungry for your word. They would be so hungry for what's true. We pray that you would have your way in our businesses, in our workplaces, in our schools, on our teams, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and have your way among us. Lord, as a church, we just say, have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for this next generation, Lord. Thank you for those who are even in the room today who love you and know you and want to make you known. I pray you would empower them, Lord, as they go to their schools. So we give you this time and we thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name.